for over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Welcome to Hysteria. I am Nancy Pelosi wearing sunglasses and a Carolina Herrera final coat, walking slowly out of the White House and smiling. Uh, Megan Gailey is with me this week, and so is Kieran Deal. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello, and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Megan Gailey and Kieran Deal join me to talk about Nancy motherfucking Pelosi small victories on the Supreme Court, and the big sorry the world owes Jasmine Headley. Then Shannon Watts from Moms Demand Action in Every Town stops by to tell us why we're actually winning the fight for gun safety. And, as always, our hills. housekeeping uh we're doing a special holiday episode for the christmas week not because we were celebrating the holiday but because we don't want to work so uh if if you want if you have uh, an adamant opinion about something that doesn't matter you can submit a listener hill that you will die on record a 30 second voice memo and just send it to hysteria at crooked.com we're also doing a best gag gifts little collection I was saying last week that my family has a like everybody the men always get socks they always get socks Socks. and we do a celebration every time we know what they are but when it gets open everybody just over the top celebrates that's amazing oh that's very cute yeah it's like a dog scaringly loud (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so if you have a hill you'll die on or a funny uh, best gag gift you've given or received or funny you know joke gift traditions in your family hysteria at crooked.com uh, another thing is uh, the ACA uh, enrollment period is ending December 15th. So if you need insurance through the marketplace, you can enroll online at healthcare.gov. Uh, yes, it works this time. But make sure that you sign up before the deadline, which is Saturday, December 15th. If you need to sign up, sign up. If you have friends that might need to sign up, remind them to sign up. It's very important because if you don't do it by December 15th, you can't get covered and health is important. And there are people to help you, like, navigate through it. I've talked on the phone with a woman for, like, 30 minutes once. Was it just she... a random woman? Yeah, it was just a woman I called. Uh, no, I was yeah. just, someone was like, if you're confused at all about what you need, just call. And they are so helpful. They really, really are. I don't know if that tide has turned. This was before the 2016 election. So I don't know if they're just evil robots yelling at you now. but. Yeah. It used to be nice women. You know, it would be nice. Maybe Michael Cohen during his three-year prison <gasps> sentence can uh, can just kind of man phone the banks. phones <laughs> for the ACA. Oh, yeah, guys. So that means that people, you're like, sign up. And now they've just talked to Michael Cohen. That's like, oh, that's going to be Or do you just really know how to sign up and you're like, you know who I'm going to give a call? <laughs> I'm going to give Michael Cohen a call. I bet he's got a lot. I bet he's lonely. I bet he's got a lot to say. <sighs> 
I like the idea of people calling him collect in prison, <laughs> just like being like, hey, Micah, what's up? <laughs> I just every time I think about him, I think about that iconic appearance right before the election. I think it was with Brooke Baldwin or Kate. I don't remember who it was with, but it was on CNN. And somebody was like, who says you're going to win? Says who? Says who? Polls. What polls? It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. He's um, anyway, he's going to jail now. <laughs> Mm. He's go. He's going to jail. So let's get into the news. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a, an iconic thing that happened yesterday. Uh, so I, I wanted to bring this up this way. First of all, um, Nancy Pelosi yesterday was in a meeting in the Oval Office with the president, with Chuck Schumer, and with what appeared to be a blow-up doll of Mike Pence. Uh, very quiet. Yes. Very quiet. Silent. So. <laughs> he just sat there. How we like him. <laughs> I, it, he sat there like somebody told him that if he sat still, his suit would blend into the chair. Yep. Like he was like I, his chameleon. Pa- he was like, I am a chameleon. I will blend into this chair. No, he just sat there looking weird. I saw this uh, like just like a gif where it was like he just turns into like an armadillo and it was just like and his shell goes on. He just starts rolling down a hill. I was like, that's delightful. Yeah. Sometimes he even looked at Nancy like she's making a good point. Like he seemed like he was like he was doing he was displaying active listening skills. Yes, he was. It was head turning. I think he shifted his feet at one point, but it was like, oh. But I did like Mike Pence quiet more than I've liked Mike Absolutely. Pence talking. Yeah. Absolutely. Was like, mother what? was there. Was, m- mother wasn't there. She wasn't there. And I thought and I thought with his mouth shut, I was like, what a nice man. Yeah, this is fine. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't even doing that thing that he does when he does Sunday show appearances, which is like the the like I'm mad at you smile. Yeah. Where he like crinkles the size the sides of his eyes and he he puts his mouth in a smile position. But it's like you're lying and you're mad at me for trying to make you not lie. Like anyway, there's how an, sad is it that we know so much about the Mike Pence body language? There's I mean I was just thinking I, wish I was just I'd thinking never thought of the I'm I'm mad at you smile and I was like man it's like it's it's we're in deep we're yeah. in deep with Mr. Pence here man. I'll I'll do it at you it's this. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's I condescending. Know. Yeah, Ew. yeah. <laughs> it's it's robot showing human emotions. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, the the main thing that I got from this meeting was Nancy Pelosi just completely ran roughshod over everybody there. She looked like ten times the professional of the president, which is expected of Mike Pence and of Chuck Schumer, who sort of tried to play to the camera in this kind of inept Chuck Chuck Schumery way that he does. But Nancy Pelosi during this meeting explained to the president what legislating is. Uh, woman-splained, I believe. She woman-splained She woman-splained. In this, in this really calm, unemotional way that was like a genius way to deal with a, a very emotional man who tries to get people to match his emotion. She just remained fact-based and flat and confident. So she explained what legislating was. She very confidently was like, you don't have the votes to get funding for your border wall in the House. You do not have the votes in the House to get $5 billion that you are asking for to fund a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, And Trump said, uh, I could go in, uh, I'm paraphrasing, I could go in and have those votes. And Nancy goes, "Okay, okay, do it then. (laughs) In this incredible way. Um, and, and Trump, just his level of energy kept getting more and more out of control. And Nancy remained calm. Um, and then after she uh, walked out of the White House, she had an iconic moment where she was wearing this like beautiful red coat. She put on her sunglasses and just smiled at the press waiting outside. And um, she also she said during this conference 
that she asked the president to pray over it, whether or not he really wants to get into a fight with the Democrats over the funding for this wall if they if he wants to bring it to the point of having a government shutdown. Said that she asked him to pray over it, which is so badass. You think that's a little shade? Like, I know you're not religious, but you pretend to be for the sake of your politics. Well, here's another thing she said. This is Pelosi quote about Donald Trump. He said at the end of the meeting, he said, we can go two routes with this meeting with a knife or candy. I said, exactly. <laughs> that's another thing Nancy Pelosi said. She also said, I didn't want to do this meeting in public because I didn't want everyone to see you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Did she say, I don't remember. Yeah. I didn't she's, remember that. That's great. She's just great. And then um, according to an aide, uh, she t- she told her colleagues post-meeting that the wall is a manhood thing for him, as if manhood could ever be associated with him, this wall thing. And it goes to show you, you get into a tickle contest with a skunk, you get tinkle all over you. Never, never, heard, never heard that. Never heard that. So, like she just ma- she's making up phrases now. Yeah, it's very very Neil Ar- Armstrong. I of think her. she's earned the right to make up one weird phrase. <laughs> so that's the, you're saying if you tickle a skunk, you're gonna get tinkled shot on. with this tinkle. Dink. Yeah, I guess that's what tink. I guess it's tinkle. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> break it down. So, so here's my qu- so here are a couple things that were takeaways for me from this meeting. Um, one. Never in the history of politics has a political figure gone from somebody I felt pretty neutral about to somebody I ardently loved (laughs) as quickly as Nancy Pelosi. Like, I, at this point, am feeling like maybe she is overdue for an RBG moment. Like, there's no good merch of Nancy Pelosi. Like, there are pictures of her face drawn in a cartoonish way with, barely literate Huckabee level jokes written underneath them and most of them were available at a discount yesterday which oh, I, no. I, I checked 20, 20% off there was one shirt that said when I think of Nancy Pelosi four words come to mind stupid bitch <gasps> oh that's not merch that's but it's that's bad. But I it guess has it's, a it has a yeah. her name on it. So like you search for Nancy Pelosi shirt, and most of it is like I hate this lady. Do you think that? Do you think that she googles it and she's like? Do you think she googles her no. own merch and she's she like, don't give a fuck? But I love this idea of her being like, why does Ruth get all the nice shirts? <laughs> well, Nancy doesn't get any of the nice shirts. I just think that Nancy Pelosi has, you know, she she. I think Marcy Wheeler put it this way, like. She's mama bear is coming out of the den after an eight year nap and she's just stretching her muscles right now because Nancy Pelosi is going to take the gavel in January and she's going to run the house. She's going to be the speaker of the house. Sure. More than likely. Uh, And yesterday, I think she showed exactly why she should be the speaker of the house. Mm -hmm. She's she stood up to the president in a way that I haven't seen anybody stand up to the president before. She was calm and collected. And I don't know. What do you think Nancy Pelosi merch would look like if you were? You're asking a clothing expert. I think it could just be that haircut. You know, like no face, just that haircut. Because that's like a pretty iconic hairdo. Or we could get wigs, Nancy Pelosi wigs. Yeah. It was interesting to watch the meeting. I almost find Chuck to be completely inept at this point. And even just their glassware after the meeting, he put on those glasses that like hook around his ears and then are low like Santa Claus. And, you know, (laughs) she was like beautiful in these big, bold sunglasses. And even in the way that Trump like interacts with them, he's almost like swatting at Chuck like he's a fly. And I think with Nancy, he's like, I don't like this woman, but I do fucking respect her. Like, I think she carries some gravitas in 
in D.C. in a way that maybe no one else does right now. Mm-hmm. They, uh, she definitely got him into he was in full Trump jazz hand mode. You know, mm-hmm. he was like going really crazy with the a lot. of It was a lot of the jazz, the two the two jazz hands together. Yeah. So I was like, that's a sign that, you know, he's awake. Yeah, yeah that's good. And then meanwhile, Mike Pence, the doll of him is just slowly deflating. You hear, you hear like a very <laughs> slight like. So it was just by the time they all left, it was just a totally flat version of Pence. That's right. When you kept seeing Huckabee Sanders in the background, like trying to like stop it like she was like <laughs> and her and nancy were in the same color but it was like one is it was truly like in people when they're like who wore it better and i was like we're, we're gonna do 100 to zero here yeah i think it's like the thing that i loved about yesterday in addition to nancy like looking iconic but i think her look matched her performance and that when those two things come together like as a woman, it just makes me very satisfied. And I cannot wait to see what Nancy does once she gets the gavel. And I cannot wait to see uh, the hell that she gives them as she is a Speaker of the House. One more story I wanted to get into before we move on. Yesterday, a sort of surprise ruling from the Supreme Court uh, that appeared to be sort of in favor of Planned Parenthood, but it's actually a little bit more complicated than what it appeared to be on the surface, as most Supreme Court rulings are. So on Monday, the Supreme Court declined to hear cases led by Republican-led states uh, in efforts to block Medicaid funding for Planned Parenthood. Basically, Planned Parenthood was blocked from receiving funding in, I believe, Louisiana and Kentucky. And Planned Parenthood was trying to fight for the right to sue over the exclusion. Mm -hmm. And a lower court ruling was that they could, that a private organization excluded from Medicaid could sue for being excluded from the program. And the Supreme Court declined to hear the case, which means the lower court rulings held and Planned Parenthood is allowed to sue over their exclusion. Now, it's surprising that the Supreme Court did not agree to hear it because in order for a case to be heard, only four justices need to want to hear it. The three that wanted to hear it were Gorsuch, Thomas, and Alito, which means that Chief Justice Roberts and brand new Justice Brett Kavanaugh uh, declined, which some people were taking as a sign. Susan Collins, for example, was taking mm-hmm. as, a, as a sign that she was vindicated. Uh, Megan, I know you had feelings about Susan Collins's uh, preliminary or preemptive well, vindication. I like got an alert on my phone and it just said like the headline was like Susan Collins feels vindicated. And I was like, what's this going to be about? Like, <laughs> maybe she undid some of her witchy ways. And then I went and looked at it and I was like, oh, shut the fuck up, Susan. The only way that you could be vindicated is if it miraculously never going to happen, Dr. Ford comes out and was like, actually, it was someone else. That's the only way you will ever be vindicated, and that ain't going to happen. Right. It wasn't ever just about Roe v. Wade. No, not at all. It was was about, is this man a sex offender? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the phrase, shut the fuck up, Susan. (laughs) (laughs) Just just imagine you in, in... in Congress, just be like, she like raises her hand to say something and Megan's like, shut the fuck up, Susan. But that's just, it's such a strange thing to feel vindication over. Right, right. Like, right. You, it's, it's also it's, like, it's like a minor, it's like not, it's it's like, it's like a, it's like a minor like win on a, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a, the, the right to sue. Do you know what I mean? Like it's right. like it's like a case within a case within a case. It's like a Russian it's doll like of you, cases. You, you know? got a dragon and it didn't kill someone on the first day, and you're like, see, I should have a dragon. Yeah. And it's like, no, bitch. <laughs> it breathes fire. <laughs> 
Well, here's here's another thing, just to build on what Kieran was saying about it being minor, is that a lot of anti-choice activists want a federal ban right. on funding for Planned Parenthood. And this just covers state-by-state bans. And there are other cases kind of matriculating through the courts right now that come at Roe v. Wade from different angles. And so this is literally the smallest possible victory. Tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like a chip off the tip of the iceberg. Do you think there is and I I don't know I'm I don't know enough about Supreme Court posturing. Do you think this is a way for Kavanaugh and or Roberts to be like, we gave him that one for the big one? I think coming. Roberts is very I think he's a vain man who is concerned oh, no. about his legacy. And I think that's why he authored the ACA ruling that kept uh, Obamacare. And that's that's just me. Pull, I pulled it. I'm pulling this directly out of my ass. But I, I feel like, oh, I saw it. I saw it come out. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it come out. Yeah. Yep. He's I, reading the future history books. Yeah, exactly. And I think that he doesn't want to be the person whose court was known for uh, dismantling public access to health care or undoing Roe v. Wade. Unfortunately, the Roberts court will probably be known forever for being a, a corporatist, big money siding uh, entity that that didn't really promote civil liberties for individuals it, and it, two judges yeah two judges who've had major sexual harassment allegations against them yeah you know? like, yeah it's interesting because there are more men on the supreme court who have been accused of sexual misconduct sexual misconduct as as there are more men who have been accused of sexual misconduct currently on the court than there have been women of color ever yes yes interesting yes great anyway well I guess this isn't a loss, but it's not a win. So maybe it's just like a half of a W looks like a V. No. (laughs) (laughs) But you do want to take a small, you know, they could have said, let's hear it. You know, like it it is a win in, in some sense. I think it's possible right now in this climate to take whatever wins there are slight and go, let's keep fighting. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like. And, and and it's like Kavanaugh probably is like, oh, I don't like wants to stay out of the spotlight for a second. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to like moonwalk back and just like settle in, settle into that chair, mm-hmm. settle into that lifetime appointment, settle into those robes with his beer koozies inside of the robes. But this is sort <laughs> of he did say in his fiery monologue uh, before the Senate Judiciary. Uh, I like, prefer the term soliloquy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely a soliloquy. He was like, everything that comes to my desk, I will make sure. So it's like, okay, well, he he did say he was going to be vindictive. And this is a non-vindictive thing. So he's showing his restraint that he talked about. I've got so much restraint. <laughs> and now he's the showed. holiday season, yeah. Brett. <laughs> yeah, he's you know what? Maybe there was a Hallmark movie that was being made in the background of Brett Kavanaugh's life. He discovered the true meaning of Christmas. He's the Grinch. <laughs> his beer can shrunk three sizes and his heart grew 10 sizes. Oh, wow. Oh. And maybe his dick fell off. Oh, I don't think that happened. (laughs) Uh, Well, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we have Shannon Watts, the founder of Moms Demand Action. And we are going to finally have a conversation about guns on hysteria. So uh, right back after the break. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. 
Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a, oh. it's like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like... Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is, like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're... They look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, Ugh. Um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now. And I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip. And they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. back with Personal Political. This week, we are delighted to welcome Shannon Watts, who is the founder of Moms Demand Action. It's an organization that started right after the 2012 Sandy Hook shooting. She is one of People Magazine's 25 Women Changing the World. She has, she's the mother of five. 
Uh, and she, within a day after Sandy Hook went from being a mother and a person who cared to a an activist who is now the engine behind one of the most prominent gun control organizations in the country. Shannon, welcome. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. One thing that I'm super excited about is Every Town, which is another gun control organization, released a memo this week about the progress that we've made in gun control. And I was reading it last night as I was prepping for the show, and I was telling you earlier before we started recording that it felt like watching, you know, like in the NBA when somebody sinks a three-pointer and then backpedals all the way down <laughs> the court holding their follow-through. It feels like we're winning. We are, and that's the message that's so important to keep telling the public because it feels sometimes when there's not this cathartic moment in Congress mm -hmm. that nothing's happening, mm -hmm. and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, Moms Demand Action is the grassroots arm of every town for gun safety, and we have hundreds of thousands of volunteers who show up every single day to change our culture, to change our laws, to change our lawmakers, because the longer this takes the more lives they're lost. And so every single day, we are working so hard on the ground to change this issue. And I think too often we hear the gun lobby's talking points or we hear the bad news. And look, I'm a full-time volunteer. I wouldn't wake up and work on this every single hour of every single day if we weren't winning. Mm -hmm. One thing, you, you mentioned catharsis. One thing that I sort of felt after the election this year was I think the closest I've ever felt to catharsis when it came to gun control stuff. Because even though... We didn't, it wasn't like a law that was passed. The people that were elected felt like a, a kind of sharp reprimand to the gun lobby. Um, how did you feel as a gun control activist with the results of the 2018 election? We put so much heart and soul into this. And not only did we outspend the NRA this year, we actually outmaneuvered them. Our volunteers on the ground had over 1.2 million conversations with voters. And that does not include people who hung up on us or <laughs> slammed the door in our face. Um, so 1.2 million conversations. We gave gun sense candidate distinctions to over 3,000 candidates during the primaries. We endorsed 196 candidates, 150 of them won. And that includes people like Lucy McBath, who is a Moms Demand Action spokeswoman whose son was shot and killed. Uh, he was a black teen in Florida. He was shot and killed by a white man who said his music in his car was too loud, if you remember that case. Yeah. She's now a congresswoman from Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, and she and, beat Karen mm -hmm. Handel. She beat Karen Handel. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, so this is a sea change in American politics on gun safety. And we are incredibly excited, not just at the federal level, but at the state level of what we can go back in and do in January. Mm -hmm. It also sort of felt like you know, you hear politicians talk about gun control after tragedies, and this felt like, at least from my observation, the first time that candidates were talking about it during the election cycle as this is something I'm running on and not just a reactionary talking point that I'm doing. That's exactly right. Uh, that is what the, the change we're starting to see. So they're not just saying the right thing when asked. They're actually campaigning on this issue, making it a priority in their policy platform. Um, we saw candidates like where I live in Colorado. Uh, Jason Crow, a veteran, spoke about this everywhere he went, everywhere he campaigned, and he beat Mike Kaufman, a congressman who had taken more money from the NRA than any other member of the Colorado delegation. We saw so many uh, races like that, everything from city council to Congress. Mm -hmm. And it really is a, a huge difference. Uh, many years ago, this was considered a third rail issue. Mm -hmm. And now it's what's getting people out to the polls. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so bipartisan. I mean, it's like my mom's a teacher in a school. And it's like they just had a... Um, 
she said at the beginning of the year they had an orientation for what happens if something very bad happens in the school, like this like very euphemistic language. And you're like, these are teachers, and they're being expected to, you know, like they have to carry this backpack with them at all time with like emergency supply. It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. It is crazy, and that's actually when many Moms Demand Action volunteers join us. It's not just after national shooting tragedies. It's when they send their kids, their, their toddlers and their preschoolers, right to school and part of their school day is pretending how to die in a water closet as if that piece of wood is going to protect you from the spray of an Mm AR-15. And they realize, you know, we don't have to live like this. Our children sure as hell shouldn't die like this. Mm -hmm. These are not acts of nature. They're man-made acts of cowardice. Mm -hmm. And my mom is uh, an educator as well. She's a school administrator and they had to do a, a drill that right. like these are people who are coming in. They would theoretically be coming into these situations like totally unarmed. And that's not what they're trained to do in any way, nor should it be. And uh, I remember her texting me like we had to do. Th- I I, got, I felt this like freezing cold feeling in the middle of my body, imagining like my mother having to learn how to do this. Like it's a it's a horrible thing. One of the things that I was thinking about was that now I think it's become a bigger issue than just gun control like the NRA has now been exposed as an organization that has given inroads to possibly like malevolent foreign entities do you think that the national security aspect of the NRA and how the NRA is sort of like a like an international bad guy has helped maybe just tip the scales a little bit in the favor of gun control or do you think it's more like the the major like news stories that break that are more um like Sandy Hook or, you know, Parkland? I think it's all of it. The NRA has become a very extremist organization. They're leaders, just to be clear. When you look at polling, about 74% of NRA members, about 80% of gun owners actually support stronger gun laws. This is about the NRA leadership having been pulled to the right over the last several decades. And we have a volunteer in Texas who always says, our job as Moms Demand Action volunteers is to shine a light under the refrigerator and watch the cockroaches run out. (laughs) And that's what we've been doing with the NRA for six years, right? All of the insidious activity they, they've led at the state level and at the federal level um, to things like not disclosing where all of the $30 million came from that they gave to Donald Trump. They were one of his largest outside donors in the election. Did that money come from Russia? They aren't being clear. Hmm. So I think all of it has started to snowball. And they are, for the first time, underwater in polling. Um, their reputational damage has been pretty extreme. But look, the NRA is like a cockroach. They have been down and out before in the 90s when an assault weapons ban was passed, and they came back. So we're going to be vigilant. We have to always protect the wins we have and keep shining a light under the refrigerator and showing what the NRA's agenda is really about. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really loved in your memo is how you spelled out how the NRA tried to kind of quietly pull some of the ratings of politicians <laughs> because their yeah. enemies were using them. And you guys were like, nope, OK, we're going to like it was Streisand affected in that like they're ver- they're trying to kind of keep it quiet meant that you shouted it out. Yeah, the NRA's A rating used to be a badge of honor for mm-hmm. lawmakers. It's a scarlet letter now. And so they realized that mm-hmm. and took down all of their online ratings over many years. Thankfully, we had saved them all and we immediately put them up online yeah. because that is a detriment now to have an A rating from the NRA in, in even red states. Mm-hmm. Some people had A+. Plus. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what are Chris they Koba. doing? Chris and Koba. A+. Plus. Yeah, you that's, are some that's when you make an ad where you're actually shooting something yeah. in the ad. <laughs> yeah. Then you yeah. get That's how you get the plus. The plus is for a bullseye. Well, the NRA actually came up with a new rating this year. So if you not only had an F, but you were also endorsed by every town or had a Moms Demand Action gun sense distinction, they gave you an FX, which I think sounds so that badass. sounds super uh-huh. badass. 
Yeah, a very also, good television network. Yeah, it's a good network. <laughs> they, they, they pay me for some writing stuff. So FX, FX. is excellent. <laughs> excellent. And the X was like a target? I mean, I don't X know. is a bad thing. And, X and, for excellence. That's, so so you, you were really effective in, in helping uh, shape the outcome of the elections. And you were effective in having candidates that you endorsed win. Which win was the sweetest for you? Which ones stick out to you as the ones that you feel the best about? I know they all feel good. Yeah. Well, obviously having Lucy McBath, a volunteer and a spokeswoman, a former volunteer, win her election in Georgia was overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're, you know, it's it's hard to even fathom that that has happened. It's just so wonderful. Um, Jason Crow, I mentioned in in Colorado, was particularly sweet. Steve Sisolak uh, beat his A-plus NRA-rated opponent, Adam Laxalt, for governor in Nevada. And then obviously you mentioned uh, Chris Kobach. To see Laura Kelly, a woman uh, in Kansas, beat this guy who drove around with a machine gun uh, in parades in Kansas to just swiftly and soundly beat him was really pretty beautiful. Yeah, and she it was so interesting because that race did not attract a ton of national attention no. in the run-up to it. And she was just kind of like nose to the grindstone, nothing flashy, I'm just going to get the job done kind of a candidate. And she won on that against this guy. That That's amazing. It, it was so great. And it'll be a huge sea change in Kansas, right? They, they have had some of the worst gun laws in the country and have just made them more and more loose over the years. And she will change that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing that I that I think before I want to get into general questions about like what it is to go from being like a quote unquote regular person to a full time activist I think a lot about kind of how this country is becoming more urban and the population is becoming more and more concentrated. Do you think that the flow of people from rural areas to urban areas is kind of is helping to doom the gun lobby? I do. I think they are in a demographic bind. So if you look at in part why the gun lobby has become so extreme over the last several decades, it's in part because they're selling more guns to fewer people. And that demographic is aging out. So they have to try to force guns onto college campuses. They have to try to arm teachers. They have to sell guns to women in order to maintain the insane profit margins that gun manufacturers have seen. Um, and, and they're really struggling, obviously, with that. Mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed, and this is like the dumbest comment that I'm going to make the whole episode. But one thing I noticed, I saw somebody on Instagram the other day doing the Charlie's Angels pose where everybody was pretending to hold guns. And I was like, I have not seen that in years. And I realized that like perhaps because we're not even like doing that as a as like a sarcastic, cool thing. I'm like, I wonder if the Charlie's Angels pose not being cool anymore is because we're like, oh, guns suck. (laughs) Why why are we phased out? It's hard to joke around about gun violence in this country, right? So we have 25 times higher gun homicide rate than any other high-income country. Our gun suicide rates are off the charts. Um, No other high-income country has children shooting themselves or other children or or adults. So in this country, it has become so absurd and so dangerous and so scary to even send your kids to school that it's just, I don't think it's a laughing matter anymore. Yeah. And it's and it really is. I mean, in a country that has been very divided politically, it genuinely is a bipartisan issue. Do you know what I mean? I like I remember more and more watching video, but watching videos of like you were saying, gun owners like nobody wants kids. Yeah. No. Nobody wants kids being shot. Nobody wants kids dying. And I'm from England. And it's like when extreme gun laws get passed in Australia or when they get passed in Britain, they make such a massive difference. And it's been. I know, as a constituent, so incredibly frustrating. So many people. Do you feel a level of 
as it's like as kind of um as kind of effective as the organization has been it's like the frustration i know for me is like how is it that after sandy hook an organization is even necessary yeah, so what you know, we'll see on Friday, which will be unbelievably the six-year mark of the shooting at Sandy Hook School in Newtown, Connecticut. You'll see that tweet resurface, um, if you remember that it went viral, and it basically said, "If nothing happened after Sandy Hook in America, nothing will ever happen." Mm-hmm. It's when we lost our soul as a nation, and I couldn't disagree with that more. Mm-hmm. I just feel like so much has happened as a volunteer, as an activist on the ground for the last six years. You know, we have a 90% track record of killing bad NRA bills. We killed over 1,000 just this last legislative session. Guns in schools, guns on college campus, stand your ground, permitless carry, things that would have sailed through state houses before. Moms Demand Action volunteers showed up. But on top of that, we've passed so many good gun bills. For example, in 28 states, we've passed laws that disarm domestic abusers. We've closed the background check loophole um, in in over a dozen states, bringing the total now to 20 that have done what Congress hasn't done. And even just this last legislative session, we passed stronger gun bills in 20 states, nine of which were signed into law by Republican governors. Mm -hmm. So we feel and Mm -hmm. see the difference every day on the ground. And yet I think what the gun lobby and, and many lawmakers want us to believe is that we can't make a difference. We can't change this horrific pattern we're in. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And it is. Yeah. I feel like also activism, it seems, especially when it comes to big issues, is sort of a slog. And I don't mean that in a, in a way that it's like, oh, nobody should even try it. It's like it just takes a really long time to be rewarding, rewarding in any way. And it feels I, I feel like just having been close to it, observing it, being tied in with it. It's like there are losses. There are devastating losses that happen that can ruin your life for like two weeks as an activist. So I just wanted to kind of trace your journey as an activist and how I know you started right after Sandy Hook. But what what was the moment that you were like, this is what I'm doing full time right now? Or was it a gradual moment? It was pretty much right away. So I was folding laundry, you know, with five kids. That's a full-time job. And (laughs) watching the news. And suddenly I saw that there was possibly a shooting in Connecticut. And I can remember saying out loud, dear God, don't let this be as bad as it seems. And, you know, sitting here almost six years later, we know it was worse than really the human mind can comprehend that 20 first graders and six educators would be slaughtered in the sanctity of an elementary school. And then I saw pundits immediately coming on television and saying, well, the solution to this is obviously more guns and we need to arm teachers and everyone should have a gun everywhere at all times. And I thought, America's broken and I have two choices as the mom of five. I can figure out how we all leave and go to another country, which is really difficult, or I can stay and fight. And I didn't even know what that meant. I lived in rural Indiana. Um, I'd been a stay-at-home mom for about five years and I did know how to start a Facebook page. So I got online, I started this page, and the power of social media and women, type A women in particular, is so amazing (laughs) because I had 75 Facebook friends at the time. I was immediately connected to women in Silicon Valley, in Chicago, in Houston, in South Dakota, like you name it. There were women Googling me, finding my contact information, calling me and saying, how do I start this where I live? And I was like, well, start what? And I didn't even realize that this was going to become an offline organization. But again, type A women made it happen, lawyers and and branding experts and website developers, you name it. They came to my aid and said, we want to help you build this. And we did. So how much sleep did you get that first week? (laughs) 
uh, I didn't get a lot of sleep that first few years, to be quite honest with you. It, it has been sort of a 15-hour-a-day job to get this up and running, to organize women, to fight for federal bills that, that President Obama tried to pass in the wake of Sandy Hook, and then to immediately pivot and start changing our culture and changing our state laws. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was, you know, I worked at General Electric in, in crisis communications. This is a harder job than I've ever had, you know, much more time intensive. Mm-hmm. How, um, what do your kids think about this? Like, are they like, mom's such a badass, mom's on Facebook a lot, <laughs> mom's, what, what is, are they like so, so, so proud? It's some of that depending on the kid. Okay. <laughs> uh, so when I started Moms to Man Action, my kids were in elementary, middle, high school, and college. Wow. It sort of ran the, the gamut. Now here we are six years later, I just have one left at home and he's going to college in the fall. Um, but they're all very proud. Uh, but if you have a teenager, you also know that they're so grateful that you're just doing your own thing and you're not in, involved in their <laughs> yeah. own personal business. It's like you're when not... you're a kid, it's like, Mom wasn't at my baseball game. And when you're a teenager, you're like, Mom wasn't at my baseball game. <laughs> yeah, you're not like coming into the living room when they have friends over like with a, you know, with a bunch of Oreos. Like, you guys want snacks? You're like saving the world. Exactly. They're much more interested on Instagram. Like if I go to a meeting with a famous person, yes. they want to hear yeah. about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you're the Beyonce of gun control. <laughs> it was so gun control is obviously your focus right now. But do you remember the first issue that you decided that you you really cared about? You know, I was never. That's the interesting thing. I really was never politically active. Uh, I was uh, an corporate communications executive for about 15 years, and I was the breadwinner for my family. And so I was so focused on my work life. And I can remember tangentially seeing things like Columbine happen in the background and Virginia Tech and even the shooting of Gabby Giffords. And looking back, I I kind of lived in a bubble. And, you know, shame on me for not realizing nearly 100 Americans are shot and killed every day in this country. It took a school shooting to wake me up to it. But the reality is um, Americans of color have been decimated in their communities by this gun violence for so long. They have been out there trying to get people's attention to say, you know, this is this is devastating us. And it's so much more than just school shootings and just mass shootings. It is the daily toll of gun violence that kills also older white men through gun suicide. Nearly two-thirds of all gun deaths in this country every year are suicides. And so I ha- it's just been such a journey for me mm-hmm. to learn about this issue and how intractable people have thought it was, but that there are research-based solutions that Mm -hmm. we can fight for. Mm -hmm. Do you think because you had had success in like the private sector that lended you to being able to go, I can do this? 100%. Okay. I was in charge of messaging and branding and, and that's not the whole solution to creating a nonprofit organization, but it certainly is an integral part of it. And then I brought in the other women who were experts um, and some men too. You know, we aren't just moms like Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And in fact, I called the CEO of Mothers Against Drunk Driving days after I started Moms Demand Action, and she gave me amazing advice. That resonated with me as a teenager who grew up in the 80s and 90s because Mm -hmm. MAD was so revolutionary. Mm -hmm. And I wanted Moms Demand Action to be the MAD of gun safety. And here we are. We Six years later, the CEO of MAD now helps run Moms Demand Action. And so it's been really sort of a full circle experience. That's great. Um, so why moms? Why women? Why do you mm-hmm. think that women are so good at being effective on an issue that's been so sticky? 
So there are two things. One is that women in this country are pretty invisible, and and especially middle-aged women and women of color. And that's why sometimes you don't hear about our wins, because we have to get through those male gatekeepers of media to tell our story and to think that we're interesting and to pay attention to us. And I think we've been pretty successful at, at that. Um, the other piece is that women have been at the forefront of activism in this country since its beginning, from prohibition all the way to the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. I think when women get involved, then things change and get done. And look, we only hold 17% of the 500,000 elected positions in this country. That that We aren't making the, the laws or the policies that impact the safety of our families and communities. The, the power that we have, the levers that we can pull, is our voices and our votes. And so people say to me, like, why not parents demand action? Or why not, you know, be more universal? Because I want women to lead. And I think mothers have, there are 80 million mothers in this country, and I think we have a uniquely moral clarion call that is the yin to the NRA's yang. Mm -hmm. Who asks you why not parents? <laughs> a lot of people. Oh, a lot of people who want a men's history month. I know, yeah. <laughs> like, get over it. Join or get out of here. Have you have you had a chance um, with the with the kids from Parkland? Have you had a chance to work with them? We have. We worked really closely with them on the marches and then in Florida right after the horrific shooting tragedy to change Florida's gun laws, which we did, which was really um, a step forward mm -hmm. when we had the Republican governor there support stronger gun laws. Um, I really believe that Parkland was such an important moment because it was the first time we really saw the media pay attention to a whole community coming together in the wake hours after shooting to say, we need stronger gun laws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has there been something sort because there's also students demand action now. Yes. Is there something bittersweet about that because like when I was driving around Los Angeles on the the walkout day I, I, I you know I saw a whole school outside and it brought tears to my eyes it makes me tear up thinking about mm -hmm. it now but it's also this burden of like these kids shouldn't have to be doing this you're exactly right so I have an 18 year old son it is not my 18 year old son's job to change this country's gun laws it's my job as an adult. And and someday he will take that mantle because this may not all get done in my lifetime. But it is on American adults to protect our children. And I'm glad you brought up Students Demand Action. It was a pilot program we actually started in 2016, but exploded. So many wanted to get involved. We now have 200 Students Demand Action groups across the country. And it's really gratifying to see high school students and college students say not on my school you're not or not on my campus you are not going to do this NRA and I think that will make a huge difference in years to come. Um, so coming off this, these six years of sort of incremental wins and this election of a, of a pretty decisive win what are you most looking forward to in 2019? Well, first of all, we can immediately go in in January and start to work in those state legislatures where we made significant change. Seven state legislatures flipped into Democratic control after the election. Um, we think we can go into New Mexico and do great things. And in Minnesota, where we've been trying to pass background checks for several years, we think we can go in and, and get that done this year. So that will be really exciting to go in and play offense in a lot of different states. But 
we're always playing defense. Um, we're already seeing states like Georgia and Texas uh, put forward potential permitless carry bills and other dangerous bills that we have to go in and beat back. So I'm excited about playing offense in 2019, maybe even at the federal level, mm-hmm. um, now that we have a house that, that can pass some good legislation, um, getting gearing up to play defense. And then we've also been doing a lot of corporate work. Mm-hmm. Um, Levi's and Tom's recently came out in support of gun safety, and so we've been working closely with them on changing our culture. Uh, one way we can do that is by teaching Americans about responsible gun storage. We have a program called Be Smart, and a lot of parents don't realize that when you send your kids to playdates or even to your family's homes, you have to ask whether they have guns and how they're stored. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to besmart.org, it will teach you how to have those conversations. And that's also a way to shift the culture in our country to put the responsibility back that goes along with gun rights. Mm -hmm. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for being here. Uh, This was a great conversation. I feel excited. Good, (laughs) good. You should. Um, And uh, I'm excited for what is to come for gun safety advocacy. And thank you so much for all the work you do. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There'll be more hysteria after the break. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Guys, it's been a rough year. It's going to get rougher, and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet. You could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender, do your worst. But we have a better idea for you, which is pick out something from the Crooked store. The store is stocked with tons of new merch. It's perfect for the spring. And classics like the Friend of the Pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship, depending on how things go. Pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead, a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year, or a hat celebrating your favorite pod. Go to crooked.com slash store to shop. Donald Trump can't leave the courtroom, so just to rub it in a little, Pod Save America is going on tour. He's probably asleep right now, but if he were conscious, he'd be so, so jealous. The Democracy or Else tour begins in Brooklyn on June 26th, followed by Boston on June 28th. Then we go to Madison, Phoenix, Ann Arbor, and Philly. See all the tour dates and get your tickets now at crooked.com slash events. back with an edition of This Week in Sorry that is unfortunately bereft of sorries, but uh, I feel like so many sorries are owed in this case that we needed to tackle it. So it's a sorry-free. It's a sorry-free. It's sorry. a you owe this woman. You are like in debt of sorries. Like yep. many people are in debt of sorries to this person. Um, it's the case of Jasmine Headley. If you haven't um, seen the video of what happened to her, it's really awful. 
Um, on Friday, Jasmine Headley, who's a 23-year-old mother, took her son to the Human Resources Administration office in Brooklyn. Uh, she wanted to reinstate her city-funded child daycare voucher. So she'd brought her son after her child care center had informed her that um, the city wasn't paying the fee. So she was just trying to take care of her kid. She was just trying to be a responsible mom. She waited for hours for her appointment, and uh, there weren't any chairs, so she sat on the floor. And uh, police officers were like, you can't sit. And she said, where am I going to sit? What's the crime? What did I do wrong? Police officers basically, like, pried her son from her arms when she was on the floor. Then she was arrested on charges of acting in a manner of injurious to a child, obstructing governmental administration, criminal trespass, and resisting arrest. All of these are misdemeanors, but she was sent to Rikers anyway on an unrelated warrant out of Mercer County, New Jersey, and she was held there for five days. Um, so the video of the incident went viral uh, swiftly because it's horrible, and there's a huge amount of backlash. Um, mayor de Blasio, the useless mayor of New York, <laughs> Bill, like, Bill. Bill, Mayor Bill DeBear <laughs> said, uh, this was a disturbing incident like anyone who's watched this video. I have a lot of questions about how this was handled. NYPD and HRA will get to the bottom of what happened. He said this days after this happened. And a Brooklyn judge ordered Tuesday morning for the charges to be dropped and for Headley to be released from jail. Brooklyn DA Eric Gonzalez said in a statement, continuing to pursue this case will not serve any purpose, and I therefore move today to dismiss it immediately in the interest of justice. Discretion is the better part of valor, and we must be thoughtful and compassionate in evaluating the merit of our cases. And de Blasio added, I applaud the DA's decision to do so. Headley should be reunited with her child as soon as possible. Okay, so... So there's lots of pats on the back going around, lots but not a lot of sorries. The... Who owes this woman an apology? Oh, I think there's a I think there's a daisy chain of apologies <laughs> that could be issued here. Uh, sorry, your child was taken away from you in the first place. That could be a starting point. Sorry that there weren't any chairs in the office. Sorry that we don't have furniture in welfare offices. Sorry that you were treated that way by a police officer for sitting on the ground. Sorry your daycare center sent you away because yeah. the city wasn't paying anymore. Sorry the city wasn't paying for your child's daycare anymore. Sorry you had to take time away from your job to do this administrative headache thing. Sorry you waited four hours. Sorry you had to go to Rikers for five days, That's... which is not known as Club Med. Sorry anybody has to go to Rikers on an old, <laughs> an old warrant like that. Sorry that every tackling. officer was an asshole who yeah, was there, every you know. Single it one. Was, some of them were women. Yes. I was like, well, that's a fun twist on an old classic. We've got women now arresting women. Yeah. And pulling, so, sorry your child had to spend days without you. Sorry. Sorry that Mayor DeBill Bear. I did like that, uh, said that the people that are going to get to the bottom of this are the NYPD and the HRA, who are the two people that put you in this situation in the, in the first, first place. place. Yep. Yeah, sorry that this process, why did it take five days for her to be released from from Rikers? This was like a this was like a layer cake of institutional and governmental violence against this woman. But here's one takeaway that I have from it. The outcry of uh, on social media arguably is why this was able to end for her even after the five days. And it seems to me like the the outcry is indicative of the fact that we're living in a time where things like this can't get swept under the rug anymore. And I, I know Z-Way has said in the past that, you know, justice shouldn't be a matter of going viral, which I totally agree. But I think as until our institutions catch up with what people know to be right, 
virality is kind of our friend when mm-hmm. it comes to this sort of thing. So, yeah. but it makes you wonder how many how many people have been in a similar circumstance who didn't go viral. Yeah, who where didn't that vi- have like a child being pried from them. Where so that then... video didn't get made. Do you know what I mean? Like the point is, it's like each one of these cases represents, there's there's hundreds then, which mean that like that you've never seen all over the country, if not more. Do you know what I mean? Like there's there's versions of this that didn't go viral, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's not, that layer cake of kind of like an institutional kind of injustice is is affecting a lot more people than social social media to me is not the place where it's great that in this case that worked out and that we're discussing it but but that shouldn't that I'm I'm with Zee on that that it shouldn't be the the metric no. of uh of who gets treated fairly because of of whose face gets you know put out there with a video yeah but it is interesting that like smartphones are cops biggest enemy right now sure yeah I mean, one of the things that I try to take away from things, from instances like this, is that, you know, we obviously shouldn't, we should feel good that she has been released from jail, but I think we should stay mad that she went to jail in the first place and keep thinking about that and try to, if you have voice and you have a, if you have power, you should use it to stand up for people who don't have it. And how traumatic that is for that child. That is a lasting, horrific horrible like this child could suffer ramifications about just how traumatizing that is to be pried away from your mother by police and it's also a good reminder of what is sadly happening at the border mm-hmm. uh, like we we cannot do this let alone to just civilians not doing anything wrong but to children that are going to feel the horrific lasting effects of this probably for their lifetime mm-hmm. it's a horrible situation and um it shouldn't happen again, but it probably will. And when it does, we have to do the same thing we did. And hopefully results come more quickly next time. So from all of us at Hysteria, we're sorry, Jasmine. Yeah. We're, we're sorry, for, we're, all the, we're we're sorry, sorry. for all the people who didn't say sorry to you. You are owed all the apologies. And that is the, that's the worst. We're sorry that happened. Now, this is a show about women with strong opinions about things that matter, usually. But this is the part of the show where we talk about our strong opinions about things that don't matter. This is the hills we'll die on. Uh, First, we're going to start with a listener submission. Uh, Just a reminder, if you want to submit your own hill that you'll die on, uh, send a 30-second or less voice memo. If you send it and it's longer than 30 seconds, Caroline will listen anyway, but she'll be mad about it. (laughs) Send it to hysteria at crooked.com. Caroline listens to all of them, screens them, and then surprises us with a listener hill. So the reaction that you hear is is a genuine reaction. So here's our listener hill for this week. My name is Caitlin, and the hill that I will die on is that pizza restaurants should not charge for sides of ranch. We don't pay for ketchup when we go to McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Why would I pay for ranch when I buy pizza? If I want to use my pizza as a shovel to put ranch in my mouth, I should be able to do that without paying 50 cents for a side of ranch. She's from the Midwest. No, 100%. Yeah, totally from the Midwest. She's from Indiana. I'm with you, girl. Okay, I have some advice for for Caitlin. Okay, guys, back up. I'm an expert. Okay, when it comes to sauces... This is I'll, I'll I can speak to you directly. So when you go and you order the pizza, especially if it's a takeout, wait until you've paid yeah. and then be like, oh, my gosh, I totally forgot. Can I get some ranch? Like do it yeah. at the end. Because then it's like because then it's like for the 50 35. cents because she's absolutely right. And like 
normally I like I'm not down for like those kind of systemic workarounds, but she's right. And so sometimes you have to get justice. Oh, man. I I, like I can't do the pizza ranch thing makes me it it really it makes me feel like I want to turn my body inside out. I I can't. I'm from the Midwest and there's some I'm missing some pieces in my brain. Mm -hmm. I can't do the pizza ranch thing. But I do respect this on to you know kind of take a step back. I do respect the condiment argument here. Sure. So me being just because I would never partake in your choice of condiments doesn't mean that I agree with your stance on condiments in general. What if you wanted some marinara sauce with with the you know to dip the to dip your crust. crust in? I do not need to increase the viscosity of my pizza by dipping it in anything. I like pizza just I raw dog my pizza. Man. What? Do you? Yeah. How do you feel about sauces in general? Are you not a sauce person? I'm a sauce. I love cooking Italian food. I cook Italian style like sauces all the time i love it on like pasta but i don't dip things in sauces i dip sandwiches in soup Mm -hmm. i don't dip dip pizza in sauces i'm not a i'm not a like i love sauce yeah i'll do a nugget nugget in some sauces but no like pizza how many sauces if you have nugget um well my favorite is the trader joe's soy edamame nuggets dipped in the sweet get out get out of here (laughs) get out for Aaron. get out my favorite is the soy edamame. I don't want to hear any oh, more of this. I've got a missing piece in my Wisconsin brain. For a pizza crust and a pizza, I need ranch, marinara, and sometimes I'll get a size side of cheese, and then I'll make the crust a breadstick. Why don't, like, I mean, yeah, I would say I, I have been to McDonald's, and they'll be like, which sauce would you like with All these? Of them. Yeah, give me all the sauces. Give uh-huh. me all of the There's sauces. There's a beautiful uh, a episode sauces. in uh, at the very end of the movie Eighth Grade, where there is every sauce and like double the sauces, and I find that amazing. There's also an incredible True Life episode where a woman carries around like a Costco size um, jug of Hidden Valley in her purse everywhere she goes. Oh, my God. True life. My face is getting oily having this conversation. <laughs> um, all right. I might have some ranch in my purse right now. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. America. It's very late Rome to carry ranch dressing in your purse. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank all right. You. Well, Caitlin, thank you for that hill. Uh, I agree with you in theory, but not in practice. Uh, okay. So here's the hill I'm going to die on this week. To go coffee lids should be black. They should be black. Yeah. Um, I have a white one on my to-go coffee that I'm drinking right now. Yeah, and here's what's on it. Uh, Coffee that's spilled out because you can't, like, a full coffee cup will just, like, fart coffee onto the lid. Always. Unless you have one of those little black It's a shart. Yeah, Yeah, it'll shart coffee onto the lid. It also has um, little traces of the red lipstick I'm wearing on it. So it just looks like I've been, like, filleting this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just, just buy black ones. Black ones, like, look a little bit snazzier. They don't show stains. Every time I go to a coffee shop and there is there are black coffee lids, I'm like, these people understand me. And I want to go there more. This place I picked because it's close and convenient and the coffee is good. But the lids, no, do better. Do better. Do better. That's my opinion. This I week. say, so for me, I would say, why buy coffee when there's a Keurig here? <sighs> That's a bad question. Yeah, why buy it? It's <laughs> it's right. It, why buy it when there's free coffee? But it's hmm. that's like saying why. <laughs> that's like saying why eat a chicken sandwich when there's a can of cat food in your cupboard. That's not like saying that. Yes, those are it different is. things. Those are di- ca- <laughs> both- chicken sandwich and cat food are very different. Coffee oh, and coffee is a one to one ratio. Keurig is the cat food of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. I don't. 
I will drink it in a pinch, but it's no. I would rather pay for something much better than that. Anyway, okay, Megan, what's your hill you're gonna die on? I am strictly pool over beach. Really? Yep. Why I want. Is that? I just. I don't like sand. I am afraid of an undertow. I'm definitely at my little, at like 12, I had my little chubby ass dragged under the ocean and I got very afraid. And I just like that you can pee in a pool and you know there's chlorine and it'll be fine. That's interesting. Well, and you just got back from Hawaii. That's what I'm saying. So it's like we went, this is, and I'm. I don't like sand. I do. I hate sand. I hate sand. This is a very divisive week for Hills. Oh, it it freaks me out. I don't when you like have a grain of sand in your bed. It's like I need a new bed. I am truly the princess (laughs) in the pea when it comes to sand granules. So like if I'm at uh, on vacation now, yes. Are there like would you take a beach over someone's like shitty backyard pool? Maybe, but maybe not actually. But on vacation, I prefer a pool that looks at the beach. So you say, oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to touch any sand. You don't say sand. beautiful when you're sitting on that, that's uh, that be- pool. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. beautiful. That's, gets- well, usually I'm a little drunk, so I would be like, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, the sand, I just can't. I don't want to do the sand. Okay. I actually, I respect that. Thank you. I respect that. Okay, Kieran, what's your help? Um, who is still putting gum underneath oh. tables and at ba- at bars Ugh. because you have the hooks like i want to put the my purse on the hook and then sometimes my knuckle or my hand will hit the upside of the bar and i hit the gum there's napkins right there to put gum in you know you don't need to put the yeah yeah i think it's i think it's vindictive who's doing it i think <sighs> it's like malicious i also think drinking contributes to bad hygiene Behavior. i was recently at the Oakland Raiders stadium for a football <laughs> yes. game. Because love is real. That's because, why you were there. Because love is real. I didn't wear anything Steelers related. I just went. I just went. So I, but I was there and like, you know, never been to an NFL game before, but there is like drinking and revelry or whatever. Been to a ton of college games, but never NFL. And on the way back to, I went to the bathroom on the way back to the seat. I passed a guy who was, first of all, gum under the seat galore. Second of all, I passed a guy on the way back to the seat who I heard a belch that lasted like four seconds. And then at the end of the belch, he goes, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Then I got back to the seat. I turned, uh, Megan's like slightly turned yeah, on right like, now. Yeah, that's my dude. And then I turned to I turned to Josh and I said, I just heard a guy belch like a stepmom from mm-hmm. a Disney like PG rated movie. I just heard a man belch for four seconds and say, let's go. And he told me that the last time he went to the bathroom, there was a man that really had to go pee and everyone was like, skip the line. But rather than going to a urinal, he went and peed in the garbage can. Yeah. All the other men in line cheered. And some of the men tried to throw paper towels into the garbage can while the man was peeing in it. So I think alcohol brings out some different behaviors in people, like putting gum under bars, peeing in garbage cans, cheering and trying to throw paper towels. I saw a woman pee in a sink at a Colt's tailgate. At a tailgate? Yeah, we were at a White Castle, um, and she peed in the sink, squatted and peed in the sink. Kieran is like, this is why I don't like sports. (laughs) But yeah, there's an incredible video of an older gentleman, I would say, 65 plus at a Notre Dame game wasted and he's peeing in the trash can that's like next to a concession stand. Oh, that seems I can picture exactly what that I'll would tweet look like. I'll it out. <laughs> I've, I've, I've been to 
dozens of Notre Dame games, and I've seen people peeing yeah. in many creative yeah. locations. It's, I, I mean, the peeing, the gum. For me, it's like it's borderline vandalism. It is. It's like it's like this. It's like this. It's like your bodily fluid. It's like spray paint on a wall. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a form of terrorism. Urine is a form of terrorism, yes. and the and the gum is a form of vandalism for me. I was like, why can't we keep? Why can't we have nice things, of course, guys? Why can't if, we all have nice things? If you, we're all there. You're paying. I'm sorry. You're paying nine to fourteen fucking dollars for a drink, and your your knuckle hits somebody else's. You know, hits somebody else's gum. These NFL games, they're not cheap. Mm-hmm. They're not cheap. Pee in a fucking. There's ceramic things. There's indoor plumbing. You understand? Like it's insane. But they well, build you know, everything just, to get peed on. Truly, if you're a person or an inanimate object in a stadium, you're like, I'm going to get peed on. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a possibility. I also think that, like, people use alcohol as an excuse to act like animals. But, like, I can't think of the last time I was so drunk that I did. It's in their hearts. It's, like, not, about right. the, it's not about the booze. It's exactly. in their hearts. Exactly. Like, this is like a safe space to be gross. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a safe space for dudes to be gross. And listen, I like hot dogs, okay? <laughs> Which is what I think of when I think of sports. I think of hot dogs, and I I, lo- hot I like hot dogs. I do. I like them. I like I like the I like how theatrical the NFL. Like I like how they have the dancing. You know, I like the theater of it. I think there's a lot of theater in it, mm-hmm. which is really fun. There's yeah. singing. There's dancing. There's people on the field. Whatever. A lot of people. That's all great. Yeah. But I don't like the vandalism. I can't <laughs> the, get behind it. Well, I think it's all related to the. It's it's the same mechanism that makes people stick gum or like draw. You know, like steal things from parties and you know, people like use alcohol as an excuse to act like monsters. But I do think it's in their hearts. That's what's in their hearts. <laughs> They're monster hearts. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, those are the hills that will die on this, this got week. Heated. I'm yeah, sorry. this did okay. no, I think that it's good. We got a lot out. I think we, you know, the time's up for this week, but next week, same time, same bat time, same bat channel. Well, that is all the time we have for today's episode of Hysteria. Thanks to Kieran and Megan for coming to hang out with me, per mm-hmm. usual. And thanks to Shannon Watts from Every Town and Moms Demand Action. And there'll be more Hysteria for you next week. I'm from another planet. This nation fits like Janet. But these girls got a fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no for an answer. I'm a girl with a mouth that's overdone. Right, because girls just want to have fun. So Annie, get your gun. Give them a